0: Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. We're glad you're here today. I'm starting a new series today called Generous, and I'm really excited about this, and it's not gonna be what you may think it's about, but I know it's gonna be an encouragement to you, and I hope that it'll be a blessing uh, to your life this morning. I'm excited. Some of you know that today is uh, opening day for NFL, and some of you don't care. How many of you don't care? Raise your hand up in the air. It's all good. How many of you are excited about that? Raise your hand up in the air, because I'm gonna talk about the Cowboys a little bit today, so I think you're gonna like that. Even though I'm wearing something that I had dry cleaned this week, literally. If you don't believe me, I will put a picture of it on my Facebook this week. But um, this new series we're starting, I'm excited about. And I'm going to tell you something I'm grateful for this morning. How many of you have somebody in your life that's just been amazingly generous and you are very, very thankful for them this morning? Raise your hand up in the air. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Take your phones out real quick. Take your phones out. Take your phone out. If you don't have a phone, you say, Mom and Dad, this is why I need a phone, okay? That's okay. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Did I mess you guys up? Sorry about that. I want you to send them a text and say, I'm thankful for you. Just send them that text real quick. Then they're going to say, why aren't you in church? Say, I am in church. My pastor told me to text you. You don't have to do that. But just tell somebody you're thankful for, I'm thankful for you. Hit send. Turn the volume off, and if they text you back, don't answer them until after church, okay? You know, the perception of generosity, somehow, I think it's misconceived because I think the, the perception of this word generosity is really focused on people that have a lot of stuff and share, and, and or maybe have a lot of stuff and should share. But really, I wanna, what I, what I want to talk to you today as we kind of start the series off is what really births a generous heart, and and that's this, it's gratefulness. It's gratefulness. I'm gonna read some verses to you this morning. Psalm 92, verses one and two, it says, it is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning, your faithfulness at night. Colossians 4, verse number two, it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Philippians 4, 6, it says, don't be anxious about anything, But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You know what one of the biggest barriers in our lives that we have when it comes to being generous? It really is not the amount of money or stuff that you perceive that you do or don't have, but keeps many people from being generous the way that God's called them to is an attitude of gratitude. And I think sometimes we need to be very, very careful, if you're part of God's family, if you're one of his children this morning, to take time every day and find reasons to thank him. Uh, I want to read this story for you in Luke chapter 17. And I'm going to, you know, there's some, there's times when you read passages of scripture, there's little, two little word phrases in there with a little comma that puts a lot of emphasis on particular parts of the story. This is one of those stories Uh, In Luke chapter 17, verse 11, this can be our primary uh, text from God's word today. It says this Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border, and this is significant, between Samaria and Galilee. Now, to understand Samaria and Galilee, Galilee is where the Jewish people lived, Samaria is where the Gentiles lived. Galilee is where his family lived, basically, or his, or his people. And Samaria is where the enemies, the perceived enemies of the Jews lived, okay? Racism didn't start in the United States of America. It went all the way back to the book of Genesis. But in this passage here, it's very important to understand that. Verse number 12, as he was going into a village, 10 people that had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance because they were supposed to. Uh, You weren't allowed to be between like 10 or 15 feet of people when you had leprosy. As a matter of fact, if you had leprosy and you were walking into a crowd of people, you had to let them know that you had leprosy. I'm a leper, and if you didn't let people know that you had leprosy and went into a crowd of people, you could be taken out and executed for that. That's how significant it was. They stood at a distance called in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when they saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, their bodies were, clo- were, were whole. They were cleansed. Jesus healed them. Now, you remember, 10 guys went out between the border of Samaria and Galilee. They were all cleansed. And verse 15 says this, one of them. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, Praising God with a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Oh, and by the way, significant, he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this, you ready for this, foreigner? Then he said to them, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So Jesus healed ten people of a terrible, terrible, terrible life, threatening, life-altering, life-ending disease. And after he healed them, nine of them went away, just really, real, And you know what? They were excited. They probably went to tell their moms, their dads, their brothers, their sisters, their wives, or their husbands, I'm healed, I'm whole. Jesus saw me. He cleansed me. But only one of them came back and said, thank you. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for changing my life. Thank you for making me whole. Thank you for... Changing my life for the better. And and you know what the truth of the matter is? This is not an exclusive problem that was in the word of God. Because to be honest with you, church, I'm starting with this big guy right here. All of us have to deal with this, this wrong attitude of ungratefulness sometimes. There are things that cause us to be ungrateful. I want to identify some of those things to you this morning. We're ungrateful sometimes because of affluence. Um, and I, I want to say something to you. I love to see people succeed at something they're good at, uh, something that they've worked very hard for. Uh, something happened this week uh, that that many of you local team professional football fans were probably very happy about. Um, that uh, and one of we have one of our folks in this morning that are already happy about it. But uh, uh, Zeke uh, Elliott, right, the running back for the got his meager contract signed this week, right? Um, but I don't know if you know this. I read this this week. Jerry Jones, the great Jerry Jones, Pastor Jerry Jones gave more... You ready for this? Gave more guaranteed money in contract extensions this year than he paid for the Cowboys in 1989. He paid in 1989 $140 million for the Dallas Cowboy and in s- just with six players that were re-signed, given guaranteed contract money, he gave over $200 million away to six players. Now, listen, don't feel bad for Jerry Jones. He's okay. He's going to be fine. I'm pretty sure he's going to survive this horrible, catastrophic money thing that happened to him. But this is even before they signed contract extensions for two of their most important players, Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. I feel like I need to take a shower now because I'm talking about all this stuff so much, right? Right? But I know people that say, oh, athletes make too much money, make too... You know what? I'm really not against it, maybe because I'm an NFL football fan, but I'm not against it because I'm not against free enterprise, and I think it's kind of cool when people work really, really, really hard and are successful because they're good at what they're doing. I-, I like that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The problem is not having too much. Here's the problem. The problem is having too much or expecting too much because you think you're entitled to it, Okay. Uh, How does that happen? Well, when you're around other people that have, you kind of think you deserve to have too. Uh, That's one of the kind of issues that's going to hit us. I'm not going to get political this morning, I promise you. We did that last month, and that was enough, okay? But that's kind of one of the problems coming up. If you talk to somebody that's a senior citizen, you listen to them, you listen to them watch young people talk about, well, you know, I deserve this, and I deserve this, and I deserve this, and I deserve this. What we all need to understand and kind of have poured into us is a good work ethic and work for the things that we have and work hard and understand the benefit of hard work. Can I get somebody over 30 that says amen this morning? There's something really, really satisfying about good work, hard work, and having a good work ethic. But there are so many people that are ungrateful because they think they deserve to have what other people have even though they haven't worked for it. And it's ungratefulness. It's ungratefulness. There's another ungrateful. We're ungrateful because of pride. We think we deserve because of who we are. And I'm gonna tell you something this morning, that is an absolute, probably one of the deepest problems that we have in our country today. We think we deserve what we have and we should have more than we do. And I'm gonna tell you who thinks differently about that, people that have visited or were born in third world countries. They know how important it is and how blessed uh, Americans are uh, I went to Cuba a couple years ago, not just to smoke cigars, by the way, but I went to Cuba a couple years ago. And when I was there, uh, it was kind of when things were, you know, a little bit tumultuous. It was right after, the, you know, the, the election. Uh, the, the former president was kind of opening up relations with Cuba. The, the current president kind of shut some of that stuff down. So we were pretty quiet. And you got to learn, when you travel to foreign countries that may not be, you know, super-duper patriotic American, you know, followers or lovers— you don't walk around with a big T-shirt that says, you know, you know, make America great again or some flag or something like that. You've got to be very respectful to the country you're in. But when you're an American and you go to foreign countries, people know you're American. They know you're American by the way that you look, the way that you talk, your body build. It's kind of funny. We're very obsessed in our country with, with, uh, with you know, getting skinny and, and losing weight and all that stuff because we have to, you know but it's funny in other countries when they see somebody, a big guy like me, they go, oh, sir, you are so fat. And I'll look at them and I want to punch them, but that's actually a compliment because they're saying how, how rich they perceive that I am. You know? And while, while we were there, we were talking to some guys and now are you, are you from the United States of America? I said, yes, we're from the United States of America. And this is what they said to me. God bless America. I hope you love your country and all the great things it does for you. I would do anything to come there. And a lot of people don't understand that that live in the United States of America, how good we have it. We expect it. There's another reason we're ungrateful. We're ungrateful sometimes because of the influence of other people. Uh, Perhaps we're ungrateful because we're surrounded by people that complain. And you've heard that statement before, misery loves what, church? Misery loves company. Boy, and isn't it true if you find yourself a couple good complainers or a couple good gossipers, you've found some really, really good friends, right? But it seems like we can surround ourselves with other people that have the same negative opinion. And, man, negative breeds negative, breeds negative, breeds negative. And you've got to be very careful. If some of your influence in your life are people that complain a lot, maybe you need to look at yourself and wonder if you're one of those complainers. Number four. We're ungrateful because of real, but also because of perceived circumstances. Uh, I worked hard, and I've not succeeded. I was dealt a bad hand. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. Why do they have and I don't have? Why is this one successful and I'm not? You know, some of those things are real. And you see people that get big breaks and you're like, man, why can't I be one of those people that gets a break like that? And we really focus on what other people have and the things that we want. And our focus is that, not on things that we have and learning to be what? Grateful. Uh, We're ungrateful because of, and I think this this uh, this is something we have to guard our hearts against, church. We're ungrateful because of comparison. We look at other people and we compare ourselves. And the Bible teaches us very specifically about comparison in 2 Corinthians. It says this, they that compare themselves amongst themselves, right? So if you go up to somebody and you compare yourself to somebody. Well, I look at my person when I size myself up with them and I see who I am and I see who they are. I perceive this or this is it. You know, we make all these opinions about it. The Bible says even though we're trying to make ourselves wise, we actually are making ourselves a fool. So how can I develop an attitude of gratitude in my life today let me give you some things that i hope will be an encouragement to you that i hope that you'll take apply to your life and not just pray about this morning or apply to your life this morning but put some things in your life this week some good behavior methods where you can be gracious and and have gratitude in your life this week here's the first thing we need to understand about gratitude gratitude pleases god gratitude pleases god Listen to this verse in 2 Chronicles from the Old Testament, chapter 5. The trumpeteers and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to God. They were accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. Yeah, they had loud music in the Old Testament. Come on. The singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good and his love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, because the glory of the Lord filled the temple, the temple that was filled with praise for God. God met with them when they had a grateful heart. Gratitude pleases God. You know, some of you parents have put your kids in school this week, you kind of give them that little pep talk, right, uh, as they start school. You know, make sure, don't do anything. My dad used to say this to me all the time. Don't do anything that embarrasses me, you know, from past behavior. That was a very legitimate thing for him to say. But he would say, don't do anything that embarrasses me because you carry my name. Not just like your brothers and sisters with the last name Trinkle. Because I have my dad's first and middle name. I'm Edward Martin Trinkle Jr. That's a ton of letters. That's hard to put on one piece of paper, okay? But when I would get in trouble, you know, they would call me up, and my dad would tell me, somebody called me today. This is how he would say it. Somebody called me today and reminded me that you're my son. And I'm like, oh, you know. It's kind of funny. We love taking credit when our kids do good stuff. Man, Facebook is filled with great kids' brags. You know, my kid won the this or my kid did great at that or look at this great report card or look at this awesome thing that my child did this week at hobby lobby or at you know whatever you know whatever wonderful thing that your child did this week, right? But you don't see too many people putting pictures of their refrigerator with D pluses on their Facebook, do you? That was funny I thought it was. I don't know. It's... But gratitude pleases God. Are you gracious? are you thankful? Do you thank God for stuff in your life? And you say, but I'm going through hell right now. Why would I thank God for stuff in my life? Is there anything good that's happening to you? Are you here today? Thank God for that. Are you breathing today? Thank God for that. Do you have awesome, high-quality clothes like I have on today? Thank God for that. Give somebody, somebody, give one person in your life that you could call that you know that would say, I love you to you. Be thankful for that. Be thankful for air conditioning. Lord Jesus, thank you for air conditioning. We can be thankful for so much, but we focus on little of the things that we want that we don't have. It's not fair, it's not this, it's not this, it's not. Thank God for the things that you have in your life because gratitude pleases God. I wanted to please my father as I started to grow up, but you know what I started to learn? When I did things that made my dad happy instead of making him mad, my dad really blessed me. And you know what I'm learning as a young believer of 30 some years? When I do things that pleases my father, he blesses me. Gratitude pleases God. Here's number two. This is a great one. Avoid complaining at all costs. Avoid, compl- I like that. That was a good one. We're getting good. We Man, we complain a lot. Here are some frequent areas that we complain. You know what we complain about? It's kind of funny. At restaurants, right? When our food is not there fast enough. It's not hot enough. It's not good enough. And we look at our tip as a report card to the person that's bringing us our food. When we're partaking in an American tradition where people don't cook anymore, unlike the rest of the world, when we were on vacation uh, two weeks ago, we ate out every, excuse me, we ate at home at the place we were staying every single meal except when we were on our way to the airport to leave that day. We were telling, hey, how was your vacation? First question, what first question, what did you do? And the second question, where did you eat? And Kim said, Well, we ate in the whole time. You did? Well, why did you do that? Well, we wanted to. It was kind of something that we, you know, were excited about doing. But we eat out. And this, listen, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm not dogging people to eat out. I'm planning on eating out multiple times this week. I'm gonna enjoy that. But we we kind of have we're very, you know, I'm gonna tell you something, Dallas, Texas. We are very spoiled. It's okay to just, just go like this. You don't have to say, mm, we are, we're kind How many of you will eat out at least one time this week? Okay, I'm not even going to go more than that. Because I know we'd have people that say, if I said 10 times, a lot of people have their hands up still in the air. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. God's blessed you. But are you the guy that when waiters and waitresses come up to you or the lady that waiters and waitresses come up to you and they go, oh, it's them again? Or do they rush to your table because you're generous? Because here's something about tips that I learned. I learned this from Pastor Johnny Hunt from the Great Woodstock Church in uh, Georgia. He said this. His mom was a waitress, a single mom waitress. And he said, your tip is not a reflection of the quality of service you get. Your tip is a reflection of the kind of generosity you have as a human being. We complain at work. Man, we complain at work. I deserve more money. I'm being treated unfairly. I'm being taken advantage of. Work hard because of your reputation. Not based on what other people do. We kind of, we'll look at the way that other people say, oh, you know, this guy's working hard and, and, but but he's kind of a kiss up. And then you have all these lazy people. And those are the people here. Why would I work harder when people making more than me are, you know why you would work harder? Because of who you are, your reputation, your character, complaining. You know, else we complain, we complain where we live, about our neighbors, you know, and some of you have crazy neighbors. And if you live on my street, I'm probably one of those people. But it's amazing. Um, we, we belong to uh, one of these, Kim's on this one Facebook thing where we live, uh, it's a Pittman. Where do we live, Pittman, Pittman? Pittman North, right? North? Okay, we're in the Pittman North hood. And um, so, um, but there's a Facebook thing for our neighborhood, right? And it's really, really funny. 90% of the things that people are, are discussing about our neighborhood, we live in a nice neighborhood. It's a really good neighborhood. Very thankful for the home that we have. But right now, I've got a complaint in my neighborhood. There's a person in our neighborhood, and I haven't caught him yet. But I'm going to put, I'm putting, I'm going to have Kelly Young Electric, best electric company in Dallas, Texas, run electric wires in my front yard because the next time this Marmaduke dog leaves his deposit on my front yard, I want him to feel it from it. That's all I want. <laughs> and I get, I get it. Dogs poop, and I said poop in church, and it's okay. Poop is real. But I don't know why that dog's poop has to be in my front yard. I don't have a dog like that. You know why? Because I don't like to clean up poop, right? But that's the big problem I have in my neighborhood. Every once in a while, one of my neighbors like to say, I have a dog, and I'd like to remind you of that, right? That's my complaint. But we complain about stuff, right? We complain about the neighbors we live next to, the cars that they drive, the noise that mimic, make, this, this, the 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 this. You know where else we complain? Church. It's kind of sensitive for me to talk about it because it comes across as self serving. And I'm not saying this for my sake. I really am not. But people complain about what we have and what we don't have. Um, People complain when we talk about money. And it's hard. I don't always like doing that. But it takes money to do ministry. You know what I mean? It takes resources to do the Lord's work. And we've had a tough summer. Man, we've had a tough summer. And I'm not even talking about giving today. And I know that. Now that everybody's back from vacation and, and things are going to be good, and I, I'm really I'm I'm excited about what the Lord's doing in our church. But sometimes it's a challenge, you know, and, and and it just gets very easy to complain. It gets easy to complain when something that we're used to, we're not used to, or something we would expect, and 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 I think it's kind of interesting. We sometimes we get um, when we were doing that series. I'm asking for a friend. We had some folks that took the liberty. Of also lodging some of their private complaints inside of that box. And boy, what a blessing that was uh, to receive those complaints, not face to face and anonymously. Anonymously to mean means to me means don't read it. That's what anonymous means to me. Because, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not chiding you, church, I'm really not. But what I'm what I'm asking you to consider is in your life, whether it's one of these areas or a different, we complain in our marriage. We look at the way that other people, you know, operate as a marriage. I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I'm very, very blessed. I married a great woman. We've been married for 34 years. We have four great kids. We have a great life together. But I, I'm going to tell you something. It's not perfect. We get mad sometimes at each other. Excuse me. She gets mad at me sometimes. You know, we say things that we should. We, we, we struggle. You know, we struggle because we're human beings. And a lot of times we can be very, very good at telling other people what's wrong, "Man, my wife," and "I wish this," or this isn't like this," or "I wish my husband was like you." dangerous." "I wish my wife was more like you, even more dangerous." And this is, this is what the Bible says about complaining in Philippians 2:14. It says, "Do everything. How many things? Everything, without grumbling or arguing. We have to avoid complaining at all costs. Here's number three. Let's move it positive now. Make a personal choice to rejoice. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus, it's God's will for your life to be thankful for everything. Uh, we're taking a trip again. We, we take missions trips once or twice a year, and we're going back to Guatemala a place that our church is pretty familiar with. Our missionaries that are kind of our staff right now, volunteering in some areas, but our missionaries, Nick and Katie Stewart, uh, represent Guatemala, and they're taking us there in November. It's gonna be a great, great time. We had a really, really good trip. I think it was uh, last, uh, when did we go last time? February, something like that. Um, But there was some neat things that we saw. We built a house uh, for a young mom with kids, and while we were out there building the house, and dying and having to drink 30 waters because because the sun was coming down and beating on us and you know we're you know some of us weren't used to working that hard this guy right here uh, this lady had a baby kind of wrapped around her body and she was cleaning up and worked harder than probably all of us did we would go to another feeding center to a church and we'll clean kids feet and we'll comb and put some stuff in their hair and comb out the the lice that are in the children's hair. And it's interesting because kind of, when you talk about it, it's super great. I've talked about it in church and people have come up to me, well, I'm not going to do that. Why would I go? But it's different when you're in the middle of it and you're kind of hands-on and you're watching because it's really, really different when you're ministering to somebody else's child and you see that mother and the look of gratefulness they have on their face. It just does something to you. Uh, Pastor PJ of the church that we minister with down there, likes to take us, he kind of laughs at us. He says, oh, you guys, this is not a big hill. It's not a big hill, no problem. Just a little hill, it's not that very far away. And then we'll turn a corner and we'll look at like the death hill that goes up like a mile and a half and it is, you just look at it and go, I can't believe he's doing this to us while we're carrying about 10 bags of groceries to take to a home visit that we want to make. And we take that home into people's houses, that food into people's houses. More food than they probably have ever had in their house their whole life because they don't have refrigerators, they don't have food storage, they don't have kitchens. They just don't have what we have, church. They don't have what we have. And to watch them look at us and say thank you, like like we're the ones responsible for the good stuff that we have. Like, like... Like, we're the ones responsible for being born in the United States of America, and, 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 and we deserve it, and, and, and we're the ones that are super, super duper generous. So you know what winds up happening as we do that ministry that week, and we're ministering to people in a third-world country, people that don't have the way that we have? You start to realize it is by God's grace and I'm able, and I'm going to tell you something, church. It's an amazing place to be on the side of giving than it is to have to be on the side of receiving, and it is humbling, it's very, very humbling, and we all kind of walk away from that. We're walking up the hill complaining because it's brutal and it's a high altitude. We're, we're cleaning, and we're, and then at the house that night, we're kind of speechless because we're saying, I can't believe what God allowed us to do today. And by the end of the week, all of us are, I can't wait to get home and hug my wife and hug my kids and thank the Lord for my house and thank the Lord for my car that has 50,000 miles on it. Oh, my gosh. You know what? We learn to be thankful for what we have And it's a choice to rejoice because our human fallen nature, Satan's temptation inside of our lives, wants us to be ungrateful to God because he knows that God provides. And he wants us to look to God and say, you're not doing enough for me. He wants us to look at God and not be grateful for what we have in our lives. I want to encourage you this morning, the next step... To, to understanding and having an attitude of gratitude is to develop this daily discipline. It's discipline in your life. It's discipline in your life to work out. It's discipline in your life to, to eat the way that you should eat. There's a lot of air to get up for work on time, to do the stuff that you need to do. But I want, to under, I want you to understand something. When you can do a blessed inventory and kind of write some things down or acknowledge the way that God's been good to you in your life, that is the foundation of being somebody that's generous. I'm thankful. I'm grateful. And listen, the biggest thing that you can give is not what comes from your wallet. One of the greatest resources we have to give, the the most expensive, the most valuable resource that every man and woman has in this room that they are able to give at some level is their time. But we hoard that. We keep it to ourselves because we think that our time belongs to us. I have a friend who's spoken in our church a few times, and you'll know when he speaks here, because when he speaks here, you will develop carpal tunnel syndrome from clapping so much. He's a response clappy clap guy. He wants you to clap the whole time. My, my friend, Pastor Anthony Milas. Uh, Pastor Anthony and I grew up together since we were 15 years old, and um, he's just a great guy. He has a great church in Salem, New Hampshire. Is a dear, dear friend of mine. He has a son that was born <coughs> when, when right after... Kind of right after our Kelsey was born, a few years before Emily was born, he had a son who, who was born whose name was Cody. And it was kind of funny because I, we, we kind of had kids all at the same time. Uh, he and I both had our oldest, oldest daughters. My, Christina, and his, Ashley, were born five days apart at Riddle Hospital in Media, Pennsylvania. Uh, his daughter, Kaylee, is within months of the same uh, year or same uh, birth as my daughter, Katie. And they were kind of pregnant at the same time. They were, Kim and uh, his wife, Christy, were pregnant at the same time. And they were standing in the lobby with their with their pregnant belly sticking out. And, and one, some, somebody in our church, we worked together in the same church in Philly, and somebody in our church walked up to him and said, well, I hope that one of you two will have a boy sooner or later, you know. Of course, it's not that the fathers weren't thinking that, but we would never say that, right? We're, we're just thankful, healthy baby. Healthy baby, but God, a son would be cool. You know, it was kind of one of those things, you know. And Anthony's mom, she got really, really mad, and she's super-duper Philly. And if you knew her, this would not surprise you. But she looked at them and said, I'm going to tell you something. God's going to give our sons what God gives our sons. How dare you? You know. She could be like a mafia person. <laughs> you know. She was, it, was, it was really, really funny. But we had a girl named Kelsey, and we're thankful. We love my Kelsey. And Anthony had a son named Cody. It was kind of cool. But Anthony's son was was not growing as fast as other kids his age were growing. And about nine months or ten months into Cody's young life, he learned that he had this disease called cystic fibrosis. If you're not familiar with cystic fibrosis, what happens is your body produces an unusual, crazy amount of mucus that hardens, and it winds up hardening inside different, and I'm probably not even saying it totally accurate, but and and, and what it does, it causes organ failure all over your body, particularly your, your, your lungs. And Cody has to go through about two to three hours. He wears this vest. When he was little, they didn't have these vests yet, and Anthony and Christy, and we did this for him too, would have to put Cody as a baby across their lap and do this, like this hard in a cupping thing to his back, so that some of the mucus in his lungs would break up and he would cough it out. And I don't want to be super gross, but as a one-year and a a one-and-a-half-year-old baby, he would have almost this mucus that would come out of his body every time that that happened. And when you hear him breathe, it sounds like he's suffocating to death because of all the mucus and water that's in his lungs. It's terrible. Uh, When Cody was born and they found out, right after he was born, they found out he had cystic fibrosis. The doctor told him, your son will not live to be 15 years old because that's how bad he had it. And he also has juvenile diabetes because of it. It takes needles, and it's unbelievable what the, the health that this young man has had to endure. Last year, it was very, very emotional for Kim and I and for Anthony, his whole family. Cody got married. It was pretty cool. He was about 23 years old. He got married to this beautiful girl named Sarah, and um, we're just thankful for every day that we have Cody here still with us. He's like one of my, kid, one of my own kids or my nephew, But I remember one time Anthony and I were praying about, you know, we were in a prayer group for something in church, or I don't even remember what the circumstances were. And we were praying, and and Anthony just made this comment hey, pray for my son, it's been rough. Cody will spend about three months, three months, 90 days in a year, he'll be in a hospital for treatments of some kind. And we were praying for Cody. He said, hey, man, pray for Cody, he's doing kind of bad right now. And we all prayed. And it was Anthony's turn to pray. Did you ever hear, did you ever pray with somebody else and because of what they're saying or what they're talking about, you kind of look up and you look at them. And listen, God's not gonna strike you with lightning if you open your eyes during prayer, okay? Only when I'm looking at you, okay? That's the only time, no, I'm just kidding you. And we get kind of, oh my gosh, did the prayer count, my eyes were open. You know what, we do that out of reverence to the Lord, But there's times, listen, I'm going to tell you a little secret for invitation. Sometimes when I pray during the invitation, I have my eyes open because I walk around because I don't want to have closed eyes and go and fall on Lindsay because that would be awful for Lindsay if I fell on her, okay? But Anthony started to pray, and he started to say something that caught my attention. I looked at him, and Anthony said this. He said, Lord, thank you for my son, Cody. Thank you for the disease that he has. Thank you for the platform that you've given us with other families that have cystic fibrosis. Be glorified in his life. Use him to bring glory to you forever, how long you give him to us. And if it be your will, would you heal him? He thanked, he thanked, he thanked, he thanked, he thanked, and then he asked. Can I say this to you this morning? You have more than you acknowledge that you have. All of us do. We could thank God today for our salvation if you know Christ as Savior. God's already, listen, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have already received the absolute best thing you'll ever get from God. It doesn't get better than that. You're saved. You're part of his family. You're gonna spend heaven, uh, eternity in heaven with him forever and ever and ever and ever in a glorified body. Wow, what a blessing that is. We could thank God today for our church, that we could be here and listen to the word of God and our kids can be in there listening to the word of God and singing songs and our kids are in a nursery are being taken care of safely and our Spanish families are going to be in here in about 30 minutes doing the same thing that we're doing. We have a Chinese church that meets with us every single week and they're talking about Jesus and people are going to be saved this week and lives are going to be changed because of what happens in this church on Sundays and on Wednesdays. We can thank God for that. We can thank God for our family. You don't know my marriage, it's okay. You're not that big of a deal either for your mate, but I wanna tell you something. You can be thankful for your husband or wife that somebody actually said yes to you. You can be thankful that they're still with you. And instead of focusing on how better of a mate they could be for you, why don't you spend some time focusing on being better for them? That was quiet. Thank God for your husband, thank God for your job. I deserve to make more. You have a job. Work harder. Live smarter. And if you don't make any more money, learn how to be better with your money. We complain, complain, complain. Thank God for your home. I got a hole in my roof. You have a home, but I'm a renter. You have a home. Thank God for your car, but it's not a good car. If you have one car, you're amongst the top 10% of the richest people on the planet Earth. If you have two cars, you are amongst the richest, 5% of the people that walk this earth. If you have two cars, if you have a home that you pay a mortgage and you share ownership in your home with a bank, thank God for that. If you've got an apartment, thank God for that. If you live with your parents, thank God for that. Really, really thank God for that because man, that's a good way to go. Thank God for the food that you're going to eat today. You're going to have lunch. We have hot dogs for you after church today. Not the most nutritious snack after church, but we're celebrating that summer's over and school's done and we want our kids to be excited about church. They can play on some bouncy houses that we were blessed by, by a sweet family in our church that has that business and we're very, very thankful for them. We're thankful for the food we can eat today. Yeah, but I'm having tuna fish and crackers. Thank God for that. I'm eating a salad. Thank God for that. I don't know what I'm going to eat today. Do a protein shake. That's what I'm doing. That's what I had this morning. And I was moderately thankful for that. But thank God for the food that you're going to eat today. Thank God because you have clothes on your body. God says what he, what he has for us, food, clothing, shelter. But we want more, bigger, better. Thank God for what you have. Thank God for the challenges that you're working through in your life today. One of the things that Anthony said that I'll never forget, thank you, Lord, for trusting me with this son that has this illness. He, tr- he, has, he thanked God for trusting him with this burden. Maybe you have a burden in your life that God's going to use to glorify himself through that's going to be a blessing to other people because they see the right way to do that. Maybe this morning, before you say thank you, we could tell the Lord that we're sorry for not being more grateful. Lord, I'm sorry. Help me take an inventory of what's good instead of focusing. And I'm gonna tell you something. Generosity and gratitude, right? When you are more grateful for the things that... And listen, if God's blessed you, high five. I'm happy for you that God's blessed you. It's awesome. I love to see people... That, that, that God's blessed because they work hard or they're smart with their money or they make good decisions or, or God just blessed them for no other reason than God said, you know what? I'm going to bless you. That's his business. He's allowed to do that. He's our father. And we celebrate that instead of me saying, you know what? I wish, I wish I had, I wish I was, I wish, I wish, I wish. God, thank you for where I am, who I am, and what I'm able to do for you today let's all bow our heads for a moment and just close our eyes and literally close your eyes because I'm looking at you, but close your eyes, right? And before we thank God for any good thing that's in our life, I want to encourage you that if you haven't been grateful as much as you should be, just take a moment. And listen, a prayer of confession, isn't. it's not a super complicated thing. Sometimes we make repentance or confession it's like really, ah, let, let, let me tell you something about God. He's very literal. He hears. When you ask for, for forgiveness, he forgives instantly. And then the Bible says this at, in First John 1, 9. He not only forgives you, he cleanses you. Then the Bible says, he takes that seed, tosses it to the sea of forgetfulness, Separates it from you as far as the east is from the west. Listen, I know, I know. Listen, there's not a man or a woman in this room that doesn't have challenges or problems or burdens in their life. And I am not in any way trying to lessen the significance of those burdens in your life. But before you get mad at God for that burden, thank Him for what He's already done. He's been good to you. At some level, He's been good. So before we think about His goodness, thank just Lord, I'm sorry. Sorry for not being more grateful for how good you are to me. And if you're sincere, it's done. And then do this think of about 10 things. God, I thank you for my salvation. God, I thank you for my wife. God I thank you for this church God I thank you for the trust that this church has given me God I thank you for just great great people that have committed their lives to this ministry and work here God, I thank you for widows that sacrifice. I thank you for families that sacrifice. I thank you for people that serve. They just do it because they love you and they love this church. God, I thank you for people that complain. Because sometimes it reminds me of not only ways I need to be better, but that I shouldn't be a complainer. there's so many good things that you've done for me in my life that I know every man and this woman, if we really take time, not that the burdens aren't real, but maybe we could develop an exercise or a routine in our life where we get up in the morning, instead of asking in the morning, our morning prayer, Lord, would be devoted to thankfulness. Thank you, 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 thank you. And maybe our prayers at lunchtime or sometime in the afternoon while we're driving can be prayers interceding for others. God bless my buddy Anthony and Christy and their son Cody and give him many, many years and a cure. But even more than that, put your hand on his body and heal that sweet boy, Lord. God, be with Families in our church that are going through stuff with their kids. Be with families in our church that are going through stuff with their finances. Be with families in our church that are that, that are hitting marriage struggles head on. Be with families in our church that are lonely and hurting and broken. Be with families outside of our church that they would see people here and would be drawn to here because of the love of Christ. Help us, Lord, to focus on the needs of others. And maybe at night before we pillow our head. Say a thank you. Say a prayer for somebody else. But just say, Lord, I need you in this area. And you're good. But I'm carrying this burden and it's real. And I need you. I need you. I'm going to ask you two questions, then I'll pray, church. How many of you would say this morning, I'm going to acknowledge this morning with a hand in the air that I know that God is good to me. If that's true about you, raise your hand up in the air. It's all of us. Question number two, and then I'll pray. How many of you have a real, real, super-duper, mega-burden in your life? Real, real burden. Sometimes it keeps you from being grateful, but that burden is super real in your life this morning. Lift your hand up with me. because I'm saying with me because I do too. Father, you know the needs. But help us not run to you like a short-order chef with all of our needs and complain Help us to be grateful. I love you, Lord, and I thank you for the privilege it is to stand here and open up your word and share these things. Not only so that others can grow, but so that I can grow too, because we're all in this together. And I pray that you're glorified by our words, by our music, by our giving in a few moments. By the time we take after church to say hi to some folks and just encourage one another. By what we do Monday through Friday, by maybe coming back on Wednesday night for for uh, growth groups and, and, and things like that, Lord. We just pray that you'll be glorified in all that we do. We love you. Thank you for Warehouse Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said it with me. Amen. Well, I want to tell you something. I want to thank